0: Well, holy smokers, this ain't no joke, as welcome in, it's the ice coffee hour, and uh, yeah, I made it over, I uh, am a neighbor next door, and I made it over, I walked over and I said, hey, let's do a podcast, they said, hey, let's do a podcast, and these guys, they have an awesome channel, and I'm here to talk about whatever these gentlemen want to talk about, stocks, the market. Finances, whatever you guys want to talk about, I guess we can talk about it. What's going on, guys? We want to talk about everything
1: stock market related. Okay. So, we want to know what beginners could do to invest in the stock market if they have nothing, how they could get their first $10,000, how they could then make $100 a day in the stock market. <laughs> Whoa. We want to know the top five stocks that you're buying this year and how your investing strategy has changed. Okay. So, we got a lot to cover today. That
0: ain't no joke, that's a holy <laughs> smoke. Wow, we got a lot to get into, gentlemen. Oh my gosh, where do we? even start. Well, first of all, it's it's cool to be your neighbor down. Yes, officially. It's the yeah. first podcast since we've been neighbors, man. And it's uh awesome. We have no neighbors. Uh <laughs> you're my mm-hmm. only neighbor. So <laughs> yeah, every all the other houses are getting built right now. But yeah, uh, that house was you know 14 plus months in the making. Yeah. So uh to finally move in there is like uh I don't want to call it a dream come true, but it is nice. So And that's the first—I don't want to say it's a first house. Probably the second house. This is the first house in Nevada that I've really wanted. Like the all everywhere else I've lived, it's kind of been like you know. Um, let's try to go way under budget. Let's try to live as affordable as possible. To that house, I definitely didn't go over budget, but I did, I balled out a little bit, okay? Mm-hmm. Just a little bit with the, with the upgrades and those sorts of things, so man, I love it. And this community's great. You got the gym close. Jack and I go get jacked all the time now. We are gonna might do sprints after this podcast is over. You never know, so this is awesome. It is
1: really fun to be able to text you and be like, hey, you want to do the gym in 15 minutes? <laughs> I'll see you there, and it's like a fifty. 50- foot walk down to the gym community center it's been a lot of fun
0: yeah yeah last night I texted you hey you want to go grab dinner you were like oh you know let me see oh yeah let's go and yeah yeah that's the type of stuff that if you live on the other side of town you know with a friend you can't do it you you know you got to have it planned out but this it's like you could do something last minute so yeah it's been awesome love it and
1: uh, yeah so we got to talk about your stock market escapades now, where did this all start? Because uh, I, I don't think a lot of people know your your true backstory. Working at, at a as a gas station attendant.
0: Yeah, attendant. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a term there. Attendant <laughs> sounds like I'm the guy that, like pumps it. <laughs> if I think I think there's still some states where you can't legally pump. Own that's gas. true. Oregon. True? Yeah. What?
1: Oregon? Are you serious? Jeez. Yeah.
2: Oregon.
0: That's wow, crazy there's
1: think. a fancy gas station in Beverly Hills where they have this the uh, the service for it. It's the gas is like a dollar extra a gallon. Like, that's a luxury, but you go to Oregon and it's just like assumed someone's gonna yeah. pump your gas. Yeah, for you. do you t- do you tip them or is it? I mean, I'm assuming that you do that you do tip them. Yeah,
2: it's just to provide I, jobs. Like that's the, they provide They they made lettuce legislation to like really force, yeah. Oh, so wow. you have to have people pumping your gas for jobs. Is that a service people
0: want? Yeah.
2: For me, no. I don't I don't think so.
1: I was about to say, like I I feel would feel uncomfortable. I would feel like this is something I'm capable of doing myself. And I should be able to
2: they're probably better at it than you are.
1: Yes. So
2: if they can do it better than you. Sure.
3: From a from a
2: quick Google search,
3: people in Oregon do not tip. Oh, okay. So it's not customary to tip.
1: Wow. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> well <laughs> if it doesn't well, cost any case, money, right? Well if it's free yeah. and you don't pay more for gas, where does the money come from? Listen, I didn't research that far.
3: I just saw that the locals do not tip.
1: Yeah, because Oregon doesn't have sales tax. That is their like their big thing. Yeah. That's their shtick. No sales tax, you buy something, what you pay is what you pay. I'm curious where the money's coming from.
0: No Oregon, don't they also have no state income tax? No. Oh, it's not Oregon. No. Okay, I don't know why I was thinking Oregon was one of the, oh, the Gosh,
1: imagine I would be in Oregon. I would be in <laughs> Portland right now if there's no sales tax <laughs> and, and no state and income tax. <laughs> Jeez, everyone would move
0: to Portland. <laughs> oh my goodness! But anyway, great city. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Back back to the, the the whole story there. So, in terms of me getting in the stock market, actually happened before I, I got to the gas station and Quick Trip. That actually happened back when. I worked at Walgreens uh, making, shoot, I don't know. I think I started there at $8.75 an hour in the photo department at Walgreens. And um, essentially, Walgreens had a plan where essentially you could buy shares of Walgreens stock for, I think it was either a 10% or a 15% market discount. So you know if the stock was trading at, let's say, $20 a share, you could buy it for, I don't know, $18, $19 a share or whatever. And so... I was like, well, that seems like a no-brainer. You just had, the only catch was you had to hold it for at least three months. And so I was like, okay, let me start doing that. So I started doing that. That's how I set up a Fidelity account. And then I uh, had an accounting teacher, actually, at uh, community college, who showed me the most powerful thing in my life as far as financially, which is a compounding calculator. Oh, I love that. Yes, and he would show us, you know, if you had this amount of money and you and you got this percentage return... And, you know, if you've never seen that before, that is like the most mind-blowing thing, at least for me, seeing that, right? And uh, so right away, I was like, okay, investing. I kind of started doing the Walgreens thing. And then I was like, well, I can look into other stocks. And I was like, this is all available information on the internet. And uh, then I just started going down the rabbit hole, started watching Warren Buffett things, learning all that. And next thing you know, I was starting to invest money. And it was like 250 500 bucks a time. Back then, it was nineteen dollars and ninety five cents to buy a stock, to, to do,
2: execute any trade. Yes,
0: to so buy sell- or sell.
1: You don't realize how good you have it now. Oh man, <laughs> thank you, Robin Hood. I, I used to use. It was Scott Trade back. Some someone bought them. I forget who it was, but it used to be Scott Trade. I think back then it was, and this is like mid two thousands. But this, I think they were like. Seven dollars and ninety five cents, or it was like seven to ten bucks, yeah, per trade. If you wanted to buy anything
0: or sell anything, yeah. Fidelity was nineteen ninety five when I first got started, and then very shortly after they switched to nine ninety five because mm-hmm. I think they were getting competitive pressure. One time I made a huge mistake and I phoned in a trade. I didn't know how much it was. And we're talking, I was buying like $400 worth of a stock. So now I need to get a 10% return roughly, just... More than 10%. Yeah, yeah, just to cover... The, the trade to buy. Oh. And then imagine if I was to sell another $19.95 if I did online or 39 dollars 95 But anyways, that's a long story. So I, I stayed with it because at the end of the day, I looked at it and I was like, I think I can get a positive return. Then they lowered it to $9.95. I got even more into investing. So I'm like, oh, now it's only $10 to buy a stock. I'm like, this is great. And I would save up between $500 and $1,000 a time. And uh, I go ahead and make that move. So the way I thought about it is, I save a thousand to invest. You know, which would sometimes take me a month, if not several months, back then to do that. Right. The way I kind of thought about it was, all right, uh, invest a thousand is a ten dollar trade commission, so that's like one percent, right? And then, so basically, in my mind, I'm like, I got to get at least two percent on this position to cover cover the the trades. And um, and then I just started building from there. At first, it was the most boring stocks I bought. Stocks like Conagra Foods, Walmart. Like, like uh, I bought BP after the oil Mm. disaster. Uh, The the stock just got hammered. I was looking at the balance sheet at that time, and I was like, I don't think they're gonna go bankrupt. There's some people pricing it for bankruptcy. They made it through. I made a little money on that. Um, And then I just started building from there. When I got the job at Quick Trip, that's when I really started rolling. So that was that was a game changer because then I was making. uh, They started me out at about 40k. Moved up really quick uh, to a, a high bonusing store, one of the best bonusing stores in Arizona. Started making over fifty k, and um, and then uh, my apartment was probably seven hundred and twenty five or seven hundred fifty dollars a month rent. And uh, I used to keep all my other expenses super low. I used to shut the air conditioning off if I was gone at work, and like mm-hmm. do anything, eat ramen noodles, and just like I used to eat those. Uh, uh, pork and beans uh, you guys uh, you can get those back then you get them for like 88 cents at walmart and then you throw a piece of ham or two in it throw it in the microwave that would be a meal less than a dollar so i try to keep all my meals less than two dollars for sure but ideally less mm. than a dollar and uh man i was just investing i was investing beast and uh investing like <laughs> thousand thousand two no at that time you know when i started getting to a place where i could invest like two thousand dollars a month it was crazy. That's a decent amount of money,
1: though, 2000 yes. a month. So what were you making to invest 2000 a month back then?
0: That's when 30, I got up to— five hundred? Uh, that's when I—what uh, was I making as terms of my job? Yeah. So that's when I got bumped up to making about 4000 to $5,000 a month for my job. And then you get the taxes taken out of that. You know, uh, Quick Trip, uh, it used to help a lot with health, health insurance. So you got the health insurance, you had some other costs— uh, I used to always keep my expenses super low as far as my cars went, things like that. So, yeah, I was able to start investing like $2,000 a month um, back then, which, yeah, it, it felt like a lot of money. There's no mm. doubt about it. And and that's how I really started the sno- snowball rolling in 2010. And then I also simultaneously taken my investing game up to a, another level, and I found some really good stocks back then. So,
1: What uh, did you find? <laughs> you know what I realized, Alex. That you're wearing two different kinds of socks? Yes, but you know what else? Oh, what? We could just sponsor ourselves in this video. How about that? You know what? That sounds great. I always like my own posts anyway. Me too. And for a limited time, if you want access to the YouTube Creator Academy, where I go over exactly what you need to do step by step to start a YouTube channel and turn it into a business, I will give you $200 off when you use the coupon code 200OFF. The link is down below in the description. This is everything that I have learned about how to grow a YouTube channel, what makes a successful title and thumbnail, everything you need to do along the way. It's all down below in the description and it's $200 off $200 off $200 off What?
3: I'm gonna take you up on that deal because I have this to family to run
1: wow there we go well thank you guys so much for watching enjoy the discount and with that said let's get back to the video so tattooed chef uh, no
0: yeah that's now yeah (laughs) GoPro. so yeah oh gosh no so there was a, a stock I found named Trinity Industries and uh, this is when I started piecing things together as far as uh, trends that were multi-year trends that were going to play out in industries where I saw a tremendous opportunity. So Trinity Industries was this company, super boring uh, company. They, they had a construction side of their business uh, selling like safety cones and like the, the stuff that's like on the side of the highway that if you like hit it, it kind of like crumples, mm. you know, those sorts of things. But they also had this side of their business of selling real cars. In this real car business, there's hardly any um, companies that sell real cars. It's such a random thing. You need Mm -hmm. to get all these industry standards. There's maybe two or three companies in the whole United States that probably sell big volumes of real cars, right? Specifically, oil and gas real cars. Well, I was looking and... At that time in North Dakota, fracking was starting to take off huge. And you were starting to hear stories about people were moving to North Dakota, making like 120000 150000 like basically just fracking oil. And so I was like, well, there's no pipelines to like transport this. So the only way you could transport it is through rail cars. So I looked at this and I was looking at the stock and it was trading very darn cheap. And I'm like, they're about to see a massive multi-year boom in their business, in my opinion. Sure enough, that's exactly what played out. And Trinity Industries went on a crazy run. And that was one of the first, if not the first stock that really gave me a lot of confidence that I'm like, I can do this. Like, I, I can do this. Before that, it was kind of like, this is this is something I could be decent at. That was the stock that took me and I was like, I can be really good at this. And uh, it gave me the confidence. And then after that, it was a lot more stocks including Cabela's and some others. But the Trinity Industries, that was huge for my confidence. That was a really good time to invest though.
1: Yeah. To start in like 2008, nine, that was like, you missed the entire run up, started going down and that's when you started investing. So everything after that was, was gravy for the most part
0: yeah i just wish i had more money back then the problem was you know 2008 2009 you know i'm investing 500 bucks a time or 250 bucks whatever you know 2010 i finally start getting going but that was not until like the end of 2010 so that huge initial ramp up i had like hardly any money in the market so i really wasn't able to capitalize but from your standpoint what if i had got in in 2006 maybe that would have killed my confidence right off the bat Mm Seeing the market dip, I don't know. You yeah. know, you can't ever go back in time like that. But uh, but yeah, it was certainly, you know, it was an interesting time to get involved in the market because, you know, it, a lot of people were scared. And I looked at it and I'm like, I'm just getting involved in this thing, man. Like, you know, uh, I, I didn't have much fear as far as that went. But I also didn't start out like super confident. Like, oh, I'm going to be the, such a great stock picker. That happened over time. I needed to see the results. And that's mostly how I am in life. So
2: so you built up the portfolio. Your, your number is $200,000 at 25 years old. Yeah. And then once you were 25 years old, is that when you quit Quick Trip?
0: No, I had 200K before I was 25. So I quit Quick Trip at 24. And, um, you know, it was a... It was a tough decision. So I was really burnt out at Quick Trip. I'll be completely honest. You know, it was um it was a grind, man. Up at 4 a.m. almost every day. And um just putting in the hours, you know, you're working 48 hours a week, sometimes 50 hours a week on, on manager schedule, you know, waking up at 4 a.m. You get off pretty early, you get off at like two, three, mm-hmm. but you're on your feet all day. There's no breaks at Quick Trip. There's no, yo, oh, let's go sit in the back for 30 minutes and is chill it, out.
1: Aren't legally you're supposed to have a lunch and two breaks? Or do they, is it just, you know?
0: Well, um, yeah, I'm not going to throw my whole company under the bus, man. They, they gave too much to me for me to ever throw them under the bus. But I don't know. You'd have to look into that situation. But uh, essentially, yeah, there were, no, there were no breaks. There were no uh, official breaks. There was no like, oh, you get, uh, you know, go clock out now and take your lunch or take your 15 at Walgreens. Yeah. it was super professional like that in terms of like, you know, you, you got your 15 then you got your 30 and people were super demanding of it too. Yeah. Quick trip. You might work 10 hours straight. You're on your feet your whole time and you might never get a chance. You, if you're going to even dream of eating, you better eat that hot dog fast. That's all I'm going to say about that. I, I
1: hated the 15, 30 minute breaks when I was doing that uh, data entry job they made you take uh, the 15-minute the break in the morning, 15-minute break in the afternoon, and I think it was a 30 to 45-minute lunch. Mm. I hated it yeah. because I didn't want to have lunch. I didn't want to take a break. I was just like, I'm just getting going, yeah. and now I have to take a stupid, and I'd literally sit there and just twiddle my thumbs for 15 <laughs> minutes, being like, can I just finish what I was working on? Yeah. And I remember we had uh, Roxanne, I did not like Roxanne. She was the, uh, like the back office manager. And I would tell her these complaints, like, I can I, oh, what I wanted to do is just take my break a little bit later and then push my lunch later. Like, I wanted yeah. my lunch to be as close to the end of the day as possible. <laughs> no, 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 you can't do that. You have to take your lunch between these hours. Like, it made <laughs> no sense to me. And then I then I brought up the argument, what if I just work straight and I just get off an hour and a half early? No, we can't do that. We have to comply with you. Yeah. It's stupid. <laughs> it's because I I'd just rather work and just get it done and then leave. Yeah, leave, I leave an hour and a half early then I miss the traffic driving home, but yeah. never understood the the need for a break. I don't know. Just yeah. just take a break when when you're hungry. Yeah, to, and for as long as you need to, and then just come back and that's, finish it.
2: That's what it was like for me working yeah. in a restaurant before I worked for you. Mm. It was there, was there was there was no mandatory breaks. Even if you were working like an eight and a half hour shift or whatever, you just take a break whenever you get hungry or whenever you like get tired from walking everywhere, <laughs> and you take like fifteen, get a sandwich,
1: get back to work. Yeah, ah, it's the way it should be. Yeah. they should really go over the entire structure of the nine to five. I really think they should stagger it. Get rid of the nine to five mm-hmm. completely. And just have different shifts. Like you want to be shift A, B, or C. Mm -hmm. And maybe shift A starts at like 5 a.m. For the people who just want to finish early, shift B starts at like 8. Shift C starts at like 11. Mm. You need to have people in the office
2: at the same time. well nine to fives are typically those jobs I, where like you're going to have a manager you're going to have like people above you it's going to be a more corporate structure and they need to
1: oversee all of the work that's that you're that's true doing. yeah i'm just thinking from traffic yeah because if, if we spread out the times where people start and <laughs> leave exactly. there wouldn't be so much rush hour traffic that's I'm a started. real
0: la comment right? There. <laughs> i know <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh gosh anyway but, yeah yeah so anyways yeah quick trip it, it was a grind you know i remember uh even as early as You know, 2011, so I hadn't even been working for the company that long. I remember just, like, having this fantasy. I'd be driving to 99th and Camelback Quick Trip I was working at, and I had this fantasy. There was this pretty decent, nightly, nice, uh, just, like, two-story office. It was kind of almost across from the Quick Trip, and I remember driving by that, and I had this fantasy in my head. I was like, how nice would it be to just, like, wake up in my apartment when I want, go to that office and have a little office like executive office in that building and just like invest in stocks all day. And this was like a fantasy that I just like thought about every day. And I was like, man, that would just be the life, man. That would just be so good. Like I could only imagine how happy I would be doing that. And um, and so nowadays when I would, that I kind of live life, my own terms, a lot, you know, you start taking it for granted, like working from home, being able to like, like if I didn't want to record a YouTube video, I don't have to like, just I go play with my kids at the park And sometimes I remember back to those days a decade ago and I'm like, dang, man, like it was just a dream. You know what I mean? To like live life when you want to not have to work when you have to work. Cause a quick trip, it's like, you know, you, you got these hours, you better work those hours. Right. Um, and so anyways, yeah, but 2014, I left the company and, uh, I actually thought I could make it on stocks with only 200 K, which is. Not conducive for my strategy. So, my strategy is investing in stocks for years, right? Well, when you only have, let's say, 200K and you still need money to live, like you still got to rent, you still got, I had a kid coming, right? The firstborn. And so, um, you know, you, then you start putting short term pressure on yourself. And so for me, I started doing a lot of short-term trading. I got into margin super heavy. Cause then I was like, well, I was getting like thirty to forty percent consistently year after year. So then I was like, why not margin? I only have to pay six or eight percent or whatever. And uh next thing you know, I'm making short-term trades, earnings trades. Some would go bad, I'd lose like ten thousand. And when you lose ten thousand in a day, uh, you know, and you only got only got two hundred K to your name, you know, it was just uh it went bad really, really mm-hmm. fast. It was, it was a good decision because I got out of that I started businesses and I used uh, some of the stock market money to start my first business my real estate marketing business which I started for probably less than ten thousand dollars mm. but I pulled that out of the stock market and um, it was it was nice to be able to at least make that decision to not be stuck in that job because I do definitely feel like if you're in a if you're in the financial position where you you don't have money you you're forced to keep doing this job even if you don't like it and um, it was nice to be able to make that decision and be like, I'm going to branch out on my own, do my own thing. I don't know what it is, which I had no clue what I was going to do when I left Quick Trip. I had no clue. I knew I was going to for sure keep doing stocks, but I didn't know. Like, I was like, I'm going to probably do something entrepreneurial, but I don't know what it is. And then I moved out to Vegas and, and uh, yeah, I didn't even know what I was going to do. So I took over a year off. No, hmm. I'm talking no work, uh, just stocks. And that was it.
1: And one thing I want to mention that I don't mention too often in videos is that we do actually have a mentorship group down below in the description where you could meet with me every other week. And you can also talk to Jack every other week as well. We do Zoom calls. We talk for about an hour, an hour and a half. You could ask me whatever questions you want. It's a really small group, so we have a lot of one-on-one time. So if that's something you're interested in joining, the link is down below in the description.
2: Would that $200,000 go to after that year off? Because I'm sure
0: you're- you're, you're down a lot. I lost seventy five thousand dollars that year.
1: Wow! I was gonna joke, is like, yeah, it went down to eighty, but like, yeah. wow. Yeah, I,
0: I was I because I started pushing, putting so much short term pressure on myself, and so I was started like I started doing I don't want to say day trading, but I was trying to get in and out of positions and time it out, and I had so much time on my hands, which I wasn't used to having time on my hands because working at Quick Trip, I work like forty eight hours a week, so the only stock market time I'd really put in is. Um, like researching companies and then actually executing a trade. But I was busy during the day, so I didn't have time just to sit around and look at stock prices. Then all of a sudden, I have all this time doing nothing but looking at stock prices. I'm doing all the short-term crap. And yeah, man, it went bad so quickly. How did you so
1: last a year? Wouldn't you realize after like three months, like, hey, this, is, this isn't working out. I'm losing
0: money. At first, it was going good. At first, it was going That's good. That's always how it is. Yeah, at first, at first, I... Um, was reaching new records. I remember I was in Maui, Hawaii. Counts hit all-time high. If I recall, right around that time, uh my, my wife actually won a trip from Quick Trip. Uh, and it was all inclusive, paid trip, paid everything to Maui, mm-hmm. Hawaii. And um, I remember being out there and my account were pretty much at an all-time high. And then that summer the market turned and also uh, you know like i said i was just getting so much short term crap man and i was just i was going against everything that made me a successful i was going against it and it just <laughs> yeah it went it went bad fast so um it was a great learning thing i will tell you that um you know it, it definitely taught me about risk reward uh you know going through going through that time period and it allowed me to recharge my batteries that was a big thing cuz quick trip really took a lot of energy out of me man and i think that's why i've been able to run for so many years now Without um, taking any substantial mm-hmm. break, uh, I don't even know if I've taken a full week off in the last five years. Um, I mean, the longest trip I probably took was maybe four or five days, um, and even those days I still kind of work. and I still feel like I have as much energy as as always. So, um, but anywho, I think we got way off the point there. But
1: it's probably story. because you drink. Bankroll Coffee now for sale at bankrollcoffee.com. dot I, com. I don't know if to the Moon Coffee sold out or not. I have to check. If To the Moon Coffee is available, it's gonna sell out. A hundred percent. It's it's we only made a certain number of bags. It's gonna sell out, but it's double the caffeine.
0: This is nice. That's Look that's total
1: coffee. To the moon coffee was to celebrate Moon Day, and wow. we wanted to make sure we sell them all. So uh I don't have any to the moon, Beautiful. but yeah.
0: Beautiful. I need to see some of those bags. That sounds amazing. How, how did you make your money back? Oh, man. It was a grind. I think it took me, I want to say it took me about two years to get back to where I was. And that brought me to a great lesson I try to preach to everybody now. It's not just about, you know, uh, the reward potential, but when you take that step back, you have to climb just to get back. It took me about two years. And, um, yeah, man, it was it was a grind. It was um, just investing and trying to build out the portfolio as solid as possible after that and getting back to at least long-term investments. Now, I still had one bad investment during that time, which was GoPro, which was 2016, 2017. But I had Wind Resorts and some other stocks that, that did really, really well. But it was about getting back to the fundamentals and you know, staying away from earnings trades and all that stuff because I got to a point in the stock market where... I started being able to predict, um, and I can pr- I can essentially predict a lot better than analysts can on certain stocks, like what a company's going to do revenue-wise and EPS-wise, and substantially better. But the problem is, that doesn't mean that stock's going to go up. So back to the whole situation, I was like, well, I- I'm right a lot more than these analysts are right, so I think this company's going to beat, 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 let me invest in it, but then the stock would go down because of maybe guidance. Or maybe the CEO said one thing that rubbed investors the wrong way. Like, you never know. It was always something. And so um, staying away from all that stuff, man, and just getting back to the fundamentals. And, I mean, if you followed me any time in the past years, I'm always talking about stocks from a multi-year perspective. Mm -hmm. And if I'm ever thinking about a short-term perspective, it always ends badly for me. And so that's why when you hear me talk, I'm like, well, this company, I think they're going to do this over the next three to five years. They're going to expand their business revenues, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah.
2: So you then started the real estate marketing business. And how much were you making? And how long did you do that? And how much were you making from that?
0: Did the real estate marketing business for about two years. And gosh, I I never made a ton of money from that business. I made enough to pay bills and keep investing. Uh, By the time I started building that up, it was... 2016, I started it, and that was, let's see, it took me about six months just to cover our bills. So I think our bills were about, I want to say about 2500 a month at that time. We were living in a three-bedroom apartment. I only had one kid. Um, I, I think I might have owned the car we had, the Nissan Versa uh, outright, but I can't 100% remember. So it took me about six months to get to a point where we're making more than $2,500 a month. And then we kept building it from there. 2017, YouTube started to pick up. Plus, the real estate marketing business was now popping because, in that business, it's all about getting consistent clients. Mm-hmm. So, getting your foot in the door because then, you know, uh, real estate agents keep bringing you more and more properties. And then, they, they, oh, I need drone photos for this. I need, um, uh, you know, a video for this house, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, I probably made, never made more than 40K from the real estate marketing company, but I only did it for two years. So, But by the end of 2017, I already knew like YouTube was going to be way too big Mm -hmm. for me not to focus full time on that. Um, And so I actually gave up the real estate marketing company in January 2018.
2: And how much did you make from YouTube your first like two, three years doing (gasps) it?
0: The first year, probably less than $2,000. That was 2016? 2016. Yep. And I made, I don't know, probably 200 videos that year. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. 100, 200 videos to make probably less than $2,000. You'd um, videos that were like 2 yeah, minutes long. They were like yeah, 30 seconds. Yeah, what, yeah, is yeah. Yes. what is
1: a checking account? what is a savings account?
0: Yeah, and I thought about What quit- is a CD? <laughs> yeah, and I thought about quitting YouTube twice along the way too. T- two different times I thought about quitting it. Um but but anyways, uh and then 2017 I probably made uh you know, probably as much from YouTube as a real estate marketing company, if not more. Mm-hmm. In 2017, um uh, shoot, I think between the both of them, I might have made seventy or eighty thousand dollars. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I did really well. Uh, which was probably my second best income year I ever had. The best income year I ever had was I think it was twenty thirteen working at Quick Trip. I made like fifty thousand or a little over fifty thousand from Quick Trip, and then I made like thirty nine thousand from stocks, which. Yeah, that, that's another point that gets me into 2014 that gave me confidence. I'm like, oh, I made almost as much from stocks, mm. just stock sales. We're not mm. even talking about ones that I didn't cash out on, just stock sales as I made from QuickTrip. Ooh, maybe I can keep this going. But, anyways, you know, I don't want to ha- get up those points again. But, but yeah, it, so, so going in 2018, man, I, I knew like, you know, if I kept spending time on the real estate marketing business, it was going to end up like putting me in a position where, you know, it's just like, where's your, where's your time best spent? And uh, the real estate marketing business just it wasn't it wasn't scalable. I had to personally be there. Um, I thought about hiring somebody, but it's not a big enough margin business, uh, especially considering I was undercutting everybody else's prices in the market. So yeah, I even used to. Uh, I think I told Graham the story before. Um, I'd used to drive out to L.A. to take uh, photos for some uh, agents out in L.A., mm-hmm. Beverly Hills, super high end homes, and I would weigh the the the, the photography prices out there is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I would undercut them all. I would drive out there a day, you know, do a property or two, and then drive back to Vegas same wow. day. Yeah, but it was it would be profitable for me because even though I was undercutting everybody, I was still making a good sum of money.
1: So. What were you charging? Because I remember we used to pay it depends on the size of the house, but let's say for a four to six thousand dollar house, it was about I think it was like six hundred bucks <gasps> was how much we would pay. But that also included, I think, a property website, if I'm correct. Okay. So, it included a website. So, you go to like 90210beverlyhillshome.com oh, yeah. or something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I used Thundercut bad, man. Uh, so, if it was under a 2,000 square foot house, $99. Oh, yeah.
1: That's really... How do you... How, is,
0: how do you yeah, even make what about money? gas money, man? Yeah, so... Because, because I'm thinking with
1: gas, Well,
0: the, the L- time to
1: edit those pictures.
2: It cost me $150 there? to drive one way Oh, to yeah, not,
0: not for LA properties. For LA, I would make like uh, $500 to $600 on a trip for that um, because I would be doing some drone stuff, like drone pictures and stuff, and maybe even some drone videos I think I was doing for some clients back then. Um, but... Um, yeah, as far as the Las Vegas, I was $99 for under a 2,000-square-foot house. I was $129, $129 for photos, If and this is just if it's from a DSLR, right? Not like drone photos, too. That was like an add-on I had. But $129 for 2,000-square-feet uh, to 3,000-square-feet, and anything over 3,000-square-feet was $149. And I would give you 40, 50 photos. Wow. Yeah. So, so I, re- I, I, definitely undercut the market, man, but I was the worst. <laughs> and, uh, so, I took all the
1: pictures with my iPhone. No, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm kidding.
0: No, it's just like, like, you know, I, I'll just be honest. I was the worst. I was the worst uh, of the bunch. <laughs> like, you know, some of these people are really good, man. And I undercut St. George, Utah too. I would drive out to St. George, Utah, which is wow. about two hours away. And, uh, If if you don't have the quality, the only thing you have to compete on is price. So I was the Walmart. I'm going to give you good quality for cheap price. If you want great quality or you want top caliber, we'll go spend that money. And a lot of real estate agents are very cheap.
2: So you were making $40,000 a year from your real estate marketing company. And at the same time, you're making about $40,000 from YouTube channel the second year you were doing that. Yeah then the third year is when you stopped doing real estate marketing and you went full like all in on YouTube yeah and how much did you make your third year on YouTube
0: oh third year on YouTube let's see um boy probably a quarter mil. yeah probably holy like cow
1: that. YouTube yep. scales yeah my first year on youtube twenty six thousand dollars second year i think uh I think it was like two fifty three two sixty something like that yeah it was the third, third year was that the second was year I, yeah, that was two thousand eighteen. Okay. Was, yeah, you made like two fifty, right? And it was about two fifty, but yeah, two thousand seventeen because it started like late December of sixteen, mm-hmm. full year two thousand seventeen. Twenty six
0: grand. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man. And I remember I used to document the process back then, so uh, on the channel because back then I was like talk all things finance. Yeah, you know, it wasn't just stocks back then.
1: Didn't Didn't you post? Wasn't it every day that you were posting?
0: Yeah, I was. Yeah. I treated it like it was a daily vlog, essentially. Yeah. And I would always have something uh, to talk about, and yeah, it wasn't just stocks back then, and, and uh, yeah, I used to do income updates. Uh, I made uh, how I make five thousand dollars a month from YouTube or something like that. I would make those sorts of oh, videos. I miss this. Well, Why don't you bring that back? Why don't you start doing that? So I started getting a lot of hate as it, as the numbers grew, and I think the last one I might have ever did was maybe like ten thousand dollars from and, YouTube, and yeah. And um, I don't know, it's just, you know, uh, the stock market is a different community. And I think a lot of my, my subscribers are different. Some would support it, but a lot would would hate. And they would uh, just not like that I wasn't talking about stocks. They didn't want to hear about how much money I made and those sorts of things. So um, it's just a different bunch. I don't know, you know. Uh, I feel like your community is really, really supportive for that and some other communities. But, yeah, this mine's such a stock market niche that a lot of them – it came across as maybe like bragging and and it was rubbing some folks the wrong way and I was like, eh, that's all right. So, yeah.
2: So you continued doing YouTube full-time, built out a few businesses, and then when did you achieve the status of being a millionaire? Wasn't it like 29, 28?
0: Yeah, uh, before I was 30, I became a millionaire. And um, uh, I actually don't remember the day. I feel like Graham and I talked about this one time because I'm like, I'm having a little deja vu, but we, we... um, yeah, I hit the number, I think it was close be- be- between being 28 or 29. I don't remember specifically if it was like at the back half of 28 or the beginning of 29, but yeah, I hit, I hit the number and,
2: uh, you celebrated I, if I remember correctly,
0: I didn't feel any different and I didn't celebrate a million.
2: Wait. Oh, you celebrated a hundred thousand. Yes. Right?
0: Yeah. I used, and 10,000. Yeah. I, 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 I celebrated, uh, 10,000. <laughs> I celebrated. I think fifty thousand, maybe even as far as stock market, uh-huh. and then I celebrated a hundred thousand. And I, I actually don't remember celebrating 000, 000, a million dollars, becoming millionaire. We should
1: celebrate your your million dollars, man. I know it's not too late.
0: It's not too late. Yeah, I know. Jeez, we could celebrate it. Uh, super sushi. Yeah, it would be cool. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, to Jeremy, millionaire from many <laughs> many years ago. Yeah, but uh, and yeah, I felt no different absolutely no different it wasn't um i didn't feel some self uh, a sense of accomplishment and so i guess when they when they tell you you know uh if when you get rich it's like you're not going to feel any different yeah i I didn't feel any different there was nothing there was like the sun didn't shine different that next day let's put it that way when my first son was born the sun shined different that next day after hitting a millionaire felt the exact same nothing changed so
2: did it feel the same for you graham
0: no no it didn't <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and how did no. you how did
2: you like the day that you achieved the status of millionaire, was it just like equity in a home or something like that or yeah was it? it was it
1: was mostly property appreciation yeah and uh i think like uh because because i would track it on mint so it would just the estimate would change day to day but i think i just i closed a commission or something that kind of like pushed it over the edge so mm. but it was mostly because of appreciating property values that was like the bulk of it Was just buying a pro, yeah, yeah. I think it was buying a property and there was some built in equity there. And uh, I was able to fix it up and uh rent it out, and then accumulation of that, the value went up. And then, yeah,
0: uh, have you ever disclosed what the biggest commission check you ever got in real estate
1: was? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh selling a house to Orlando Bloom, and his I think what did he pay for that? Seven. Seven or eight million dollars for that. So you made like a hundred thousand more than that. Yeah,
0: whoa, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, most people can't even fathom that because a hundred thousand plus from one deal, from
1: one deal. Yeah, and that was a that was a cool one too because, um, the the, like obviously, like I didn't have a connection to Orlando Bloom, Mm -hmm. but it was from a referral from a client I met on Craigslist. How? And they, yeah, yeah. They, the guy reached out to me. He was a—I uh, don't want to throw out names here—but mm-hmm. he was a—he uh, was a talent agent. Okay. at I think he was working at is uh, either William Morris or CAA. I think it was William Morris. Uh, and he was living with a roommate, and they split their rent together. They each threw in like twenty five hundred bucks, and they wanted to rent a house that was you know somewhat close by their office. And I represented them on that, and they were awesome to work with because they, they were like younger. They were on the yep. younger side. So I think I was probably like 21 and they were probably late 20s at the time, maybe early 30s, it was just fun to work with. And they were just so nice, like really respectful. And I think we signed like a two year lease. And then after two years, they came back to me wanting to get an even nicer place. So I rented them and they went from paying like five grand a month. Then they went up to like 85 or like 9,000 a month. Uh, a few years went by, and then he says, my client wants uh, to get a place. He didn't tell me who it was, by the way. And originally, the client was looking for a lease. Mm-hmm. So he's like, my client wants to look for a lease anywhere from like 20000 to like 50000 a month. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, p- absolutely. So I started showing him around, and he didn't tell me who it was. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I think this house, something we'll, we'll bring him back to. It well, turned out it was Orlando Bloom. But then once meeting Orlando and then talking to him, it really turned out that he wanted to buy something. And um, the re- he just wanted to rent long enough to yeah. be able to find a place to buy. But the issue with working a lot of these leases, the clients don't really know. It's like, oh, you do sales too? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, I just thought you were a-, a leasing agent. I'm like, no, the whole point is you know, I, I want to get sales. Yeah. Uh, so it turned out that uh, Orlando is a... a- buyer and uh, he found a place in uh beverly hills wow. he liked yeah
0: incredible what a story yeah that's amazing i always remember watching millionaire or million dollar listings los angeles always loved that show and yeah seeing the commissions pop up on the screen forty seven thousand, two hundred and fifty thousand. it's just like you know when you see those numbers it's like from one sale and you know the fact that you did six figure deal. Like that's crazy. You know, six figures that came to yeah.
1: you. Oh yeah. And it's we nice. bought, uh, we bought the guy that referred us, uh, Breitling a watch Wow uh, as, a, as a gift. Yeah.
0: Whoa. Is that, that was big.
1: Cause and, yeah. and by the way, he asked for nothing. A lot of these deals, they'll ask like, Hey, if I bring you this client, could you give me, you know, twenty it, it, it's common. Yep. And this was just she su- was such a nice guy. He's like, I just, I just want to make Orlando happy. That's it. I yep. don't need anything back. But if, if you sell him a house, uh, it'll make me look good. Yeah. So that's all. So like, is it just a, th- a thank you? We got him brightly. I can't remember the exact.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't want to go too far off yeah. subject here because I know we're, we're, this is uh kind of more about me. But did you ever have something like some sort of? You know, kind of like me, my thing with the real estate marketing business, how I, you know, was, was undercutting everybody price wise. Did you have some weird technique or something you did that you felt most agents weren't doing that helped you become a successful, uh, in in that market? Leases. Leases. That was
1: it. It was just, just representing tenants when they found an apartment or a house that was it because no agents would want to do that. But my whole, yeah, my angle was that, uh, that I would help you find a lease, and then hopefully you would buy a house. And so I really learned that like if someone is spending anywhere from four thousand to usually fifteen thousand dollars a month for for a, uh, a lease, yep. those people were the ones who ended up buying something within one to like three four years afterwards. The people wow. spending under four thousand a month never really, at least from my experience, never really had the funds to go and buy something. Mm-hmm. They were uh, they they were just they would perpetually rent rent rent, but after a few years of doing this, I noticed, wait a second, this price point, they buy something. So then I really honed in uh, to just doing a whole bunch of leases within that price point. How
0: do you attack that market though? Like how do you like I, I don't get it like
1: posting you- a lot of rentals up on Craigslist. Mm. Um so what I would do originally what I what I would do is go to my office, I'd identify and this is Coldwell Banker, so there's like okay. no shortage of agents out there, Cold the Banker. Yep. But I would identify So this is before
0: you were with Oppenheimer. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. I would identify uh other agents in the office who had rentals. I mm-hmm. just offer to photograph their places for free. Did that in exchange for me being able to post it up on Craigslist. Oh. And they were ecstatic because they get free photography Mm -hmm. and they get more marketing. So it doesn't cost them a single dime. And a lot of these places I would just rent out. So yeah. And you
0: wouldn't make any direct money on the the rental or would you make a little bit? Okay. A
1: little bit. Now, a lot of the commissions I'd make anywhere from a few hundred dollars yep. to like a few thousand at the okay. most. I mean, if I made like three, four grand on a I, like I was, that was a ton. Mm-hmm. So most of these agents would never do that because it's a lot of work. It's like imagine selling a house, except yeah. you're renting and you get 120th of the commission. Yeah. So no agents would bother with it. But for me, when I was like 18, 19, I would love it. Like, because it, it didn't matter to me. I just wanted to get the leases. Yeah. But that expanded. And then what I found cool was that I would always post, like, 10 to 20 leases up on Craigslist at any given point. So if you're looking for anything, and like, really from Santa Monica to West Hollywood, you would see one of my leases if you're looking between five and 15000 a month. And landlords started calling me. Hey, we see you have all the leases here. Like, you're the leasing expert. Meanwhile, I'm some 22 year old. Yeah. We see you're the leasing expert. Uh, you know, I have my house over here. Would you consider uh, putting it up for lease? And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. And so I started growing that business from just representing landlords. Wow. Now, the funny thing is, a lot of those landlords, uh, I don't think I had a situation where I represented a landlord that eventually sold. Okay. So it didn't work the other way around, mm-hmm. but it was great for meeting tenants. Like, tenants would buy something, landlords would just perpetually be a landlord. Like they had no intention of selling. So I never was able to to get the the reverse of that. But tenants would consistently want to move up. Did you
0: learn the strategy from anybody or did you just come up with this uh, strategy by yourself?
1: Yeah, when I first started, uh, I was working in an office with this guy, Frank. I don't Frank's not watching this, but uh what's <laughs> up, <on> Frank? What's <laughs> up, Frank? Frank was the one who gave me the idea for Craigslist. Okay. Uh, because he was posting some leases on Craigslist. So that sparked the idea that's like, wait, second, we should we should post on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. Um and also the guy I was working with uh, was was coaching Frank. And together between the two of them, they've identified that like, hey, Craigslist is a good place to post up leases. But then I took it to like, like imagine just like, posting videos on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Just like on the surface, it's good to post videos on YouTube. But then I took it from the standpoint of like, how could I up these clicks? So I did the same thing like I'm doing on YouTube. It's really fun. Ah, But like Craigslist would show the thumbnail picture. So I'd pick one picture to be my thumbnail picture. And then I would work on the titles. I realized that all caps titles do the best. And then I identified that Long titles stand out because I would literally mm. sit there and just scroll and be like, "What catches my attention?" and mm-hmm. I'd stop and I'd be like, "Why did that catch my attention?" And so, when you look at not the gallery view but like the list view, you'd see all the titles are on the same, and you see one like really long. That would be mine, Whoa. like the really long title. And then I, I on the and no, and no one was doing this for apartments, but mm. uh, when you went for to the for sale section you would see these people put like stars on either side, like these weird like brackets and stuff. So I would put those brackets on my listings on apartments. No one else is doing that. And I found this, uh, this is when Craigslist did HTML. They had a H, like a a tracker, a link tracker that I signed up for that tracks how many people are clicking through on every single link. So I made a custom link on every single one of my postings per property. And I had like 20 properties, I had 20 links. And I would figure out how different titles would affect the click-through rate, and then I basically I came I identified that back then this is like ten years ago the longest titles did the best all caps with these big like bold <laughs> black brackets on either end, and I would always call it like you know magnificent dream estate in Beverly Hills with pool or like you mm-hmm. know i definitely try to like sell it up mm-hmm. and then in the description and then once they click through then i was like how can i get their info and then that was a totally different set of uh of like figuring out how to get them to call because i would notice sometimes that like wait i'm getting a lot of clicks on something why aren't people calling or emailing well funny enough i, I realized that uh if i put call graham stefan with Coldwell banker people wouldn't call me yeah because they'd be like oh he's a salesman if I just put call Graham Stefan, well, it's it, it, people just weren't into it. Mm-hmm. I found that people really liked call Graham, no last name, just call Graham, yeah. phone number, email address. Oh, wow. People wouldn't call. They would email. But just knowing that there's a phone number there for mm-hmm. people to call if they need to makes them feel comfortable to email me. Wow. Yeah. And then Whoa. I had the whole ad yeah. basically... Where it was just, and I figured it out. Like the best, the, the most optimized ad was just uh, headline at the very top, bedrooms, bathrooms, price, brief description, all the pictures underneath, and then below the pictures, I I just went crazy with keywords. Like one, two, three, <laughs> yeah. four, five. Every city in Los Angeles was listed there. Yeah. Uh, pool, hardwood, open floor plan, like any anything you think of. Yeah. And that did really well, and I was probably getting uh 20 to 50 maybe emails a day a day yeah it was crazy so it got to a point where i would actually stop posting on craigslist because yeah because i couldn't handle it Mm -hmm. all so uh, there was a point there where i'd only post on craigslist when i needed business it was that good yes it was that good it was incredible so jeremy
0: if you're starting over today how would you build up a portfolio Ooh, today. So the way I did it back in the day was was value stocks first because that's the easiest to really understand and uh, figure out the valuations too. So, I mean, today I would probably be more inclined to do growth stocks. But the, the issue is I didn't have anybody to teach me. I had no mentor. I had nobody to hold my hand and be like, this is the way you look at a growth stock or how to value YouTube back when I, you know, I was lucky if I could find some Warren Buffett clips. But he's not going in detail in those clips like, And Warren Buffett's not also really not a growth investor. He's a value investor. So um, I had really nobody to learn from, so it's hard. But nowadays, I feel like there's so much good information out there. I would have an idea of how to value growth stocks probably in the first year. Maybe not to a super high level, but to a high enough level to where I'd feel comfortable. Because I didn't really start touching growth stocks until I'd been in the market for several, several years. So um, I think if I I started today, I'd really focus around... um, Kind of what I do, a combination of dividend stocks, value stocks, and growth stocks, and building out a portfolio uh, over the course of the first year or two that's really centered around those stocks, um, which in my first years, it was really just value. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, let's say I had hypothetically $10,000. I would probably focus on buying two growth stocks, uh, probably uh, two value stocks, and then one dividend stock, something like that. And um, just trying to find the ones that are the best deals out there, and, and things like that.
1: So, how do you look for those stocks?
0: Well, I mean, uh, you you can you can find them many ways. Are you t- in terms of how do you hear about a stock, or how do you get the the thought process to look at a stock? Is how do you both hear about a stock and then know it's good to buy? Do you check yeah. out
2: every stock that you hear about?
0: No, there wouldn't be enough time in the day for that. <laughs> Especially nowadays with you know YouTube comments, uh, Stock Hub, like the the private Discord chat. There's no, there's no way. Um, I'm trying to look for, or I'm trying to hear about a stock that the business model. I hear something about the business model that's intriguing to me. That's the main thing I'm looking for. If I hear about a stock and the business model sounds somewhat intriguing, all of a sudden I'm like, let me at least start looking into that. So I might go to, I don't know, Yahoo Finance or whatever, and just look at the profile of the company. Oh, you know, it gives a kind of, you know, a paragraph of what the company does. And uh, I can start doing a little work from there, then kind of looking at some of the financials, income statement, balance sheet. Uh, I can look at some of the, the valuation numbers around it, forward P, trailing 12-month P, things like that. And um, I can start to get an understanding of like, do I really want to dive into this company or is it, nah, I don't know. And so if it seems intriguing enough, if I do that 10, 15 minutes of research and it seems really, really intriguing still, then then I'll dive into the 10Ks. The 10 Qs, which are reports that are available on companies' investor relations pages. You're like if you want to look into uh, Apple, you type mm-hmm. in Apple investor relations. Boom. You can get all the information you could ever imagine in terms of Apple, right? And uh, I'll go down that rabbit hole, list of conference calls, and then relook at valuations. Think about future growth rates and kind of make judgments from there. But, um, I mean, nowadays, oh, my gosh, I get stocks fed from so many different places. Um I mean, I hate to give it a shout out in the video, but 75% plus of my stock picks come from my private stock group. And that's no lie. I'm not just fabricating that. Uh, 75% plus of my stock picks come yeah. from in there because these people have been trained under me, essentially, on what I look for in stocks. For some of these folks for years have been following my content. And we have this like brain trust of people that just look into stocks all day. And then like, well, what do you guys think about this stock? I'm thinking about buying this and they'll post like a bullish case. And I'm like, nah, 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 nah. Ooh, they got something here. Tattooed Chef, that came from the private stock group. Corsair Gaming, came from the private stock group. Every single stock, pretty much, I can think of in the recent past year, actually the spark, the initial idea, came from the private Discord chat. And then from there, essentially, I'll I'll make my own judgments. I'll look into the company research and and stuff. And a lot of the stocks, they're they're just like, nah, not interested, not a good stock. Or it's just not the stock for me. So it's kind of about sifting through that. It's almost like, you know, you ever seen a a guy on the beach? You must have, you know, as a kid or whatever, you know, a guy on the beach with a thing. Oh, (laughs) yeah, the (laughs) metal detector. Yeah, metal detector. Yeah. That's how I feel like sometimes, you know, in the the Discord chat, I'm like, you know, trying to sift through all this stuff. And then, like, there's that one there. And I'm like, I just found the Rolex watch on the beach. (laughs) Here, There we go, baby. Somebody dropped their Rolex. So somebody dropped their 24 karat necklace. Here we go. And so... Yeah, that, that's what it's about. It's about sifting through and, and finding that that real diamond in a rough, or the needle in the haystack, or, or whatever you want to call it. So
1: that would be fun to go with a metal detector down <laughs> to Santa Monica Beach. Could
0: you imagine? I would for love a day? to do that. Yeah. Imagine you're like in some area, and like some guys like, hey, that's my area. This is this. I do this every day in this area. He I like bet. Kicks you out. I bet that
1: exists. I bet people have territories. <laughs> territories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just pull out a knife, and be like, nope. Uh. Uh-uh. Not this today. Is, this is my beach. <laughs>
2: I'm, yeah, always, I'm always interested about people getting discouraged when they first start investing and then they lose money. Like what? Yeah. How likely is someone to stop investing for the rest of their life if they try once and then the market has a sell-off and then they lose money and they pull out?
0: Yeah, that usually happens if somebody doesn't start with the right mentality from the go. And uh, yeah, they'll buy a stock and then it goes down 10, 20% and then they're like, stock market's a scam, sell, take my... Two thousand dollar loss and and get out of this thing, right? Uh, I think if you have the right mentality from the jump, and you've been trained as a a long term investor and to understand these things over time, uh, will pay off if you've done the right research work and you know what you're looking for. I think if you've been trained the right way, you stay with it and you'll stick with it and you'll uh, buy the dip, as they say. Especially if it's a good company, like that's usually the best thing you can do, right? Let's say the market goes down thirty percent the next month. Super unrealistic, but let's say it happens. It's the smartest thing you can do more than likely by the dip. Cause I can almost guarantee the market's going to be massively higher in 10 years than it is today. Right. So a lot of it comes down to being trained with the right mentality, uh, from the jump and understanding and, uh, you know, learning from folks, you know, that's why I think it's so great on YouTube nowadays that we have this bunch to educate folks, um, you know, on financial matters and, and you know, why, why it doesn't make sense to panic sell out of stocks in a stock market crash and stuff like that. Because, so many people were taught the wrong things like they think oh it's it's uh, if you're in a recession sell your stocks no if you're in a recession that means the stock market likely already crashed you need to buy every stock in sight because i highly doubt we're going to stay in that recession forever right um you know and so a lot of it comes down to having the right mentality long-term mindset and uh talking you know we were talking about the real estate earlier right graham had a long-term mindset and so you 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 had the right mindset to succeed there. If you if you were just thinking about landing the the next uh, Orlando Bloom deal, you wouldn't have gotten anywhere, right? Yeah. You would have been out of the business. And I'm sure some realtors try that, and then they don't make any business, and they're like, "This is a scam. I'm out of this. It's too hard." And uh, same thing with stock market. You gotta have that long term mentality and um, avoid distractions. That's the biggest thing I would say. So because yeah, people people fall into those traps. What would your
1: advice be if somebody wants to make like a hundred bucks a day in the market? What would you tell those
0: people? I would tell those people not to focus on the hundred dollars a day, focus on what you're doing over the course of that year, focus on what you're doing over the next three years, five years. Um, this whole let's make a hundred dollars a day, two hundred dollars a day, four hundred dollars a day, whatever it is, attractive. It is no doubt, no doubt. When people hear that, they're very attracted by that, right? And so they're thinking, like, oh, I can quit my job because I make $150 a day from my job. I can make $150 a day from the stock market, blah, blah. Usually extremely unrealistic. You're not usually going to do that. This year, I'll probably make, I don't know, maybe I'll make a half million dollars to a million dollars from stocks, from like stocks I sell, right? It, you know, I don't know what that equates to on a daily basis, but what I do know is I didn't get there by focusing on how much I make per day. That's not the way this goes. You got to focus over the long term. You can't focus on the hundred, the five hundred dollars a day. Don't get in. Don't get sucked into that. If you if you you're going to end up going down the day trading route, that's what's going to end up happening. Because all of a sudden you're thinking, well, I've got to make money today. I'd make my hundred bucks today. Well, let me swing trade. Let me day trade. And also, next thing you know, you're not even investing now. You're just trading around stocks, and you, you you're getting more into gambling activities. You're not making business decisions. Whenever I make an investment in stock, I say I'm making a business decision. I'm thinking about that company over years. Kind of like you would think about buying a uh, or getting, a I don't know, a Chick-fil-A franchise or a McDonald's franchise, right? You wouldn't be thinking about, oh, tomorrow I'm going to make this much from this uh, Chick-fil-A or this McDonald's. No, you're thinking about, like, I'm going to make this over the coming years. The restaurant, if it does the sales volume, I may be able to sell it to somebody else for this. That's the way you're thinking, right? And um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a different mentality. It's a longer-term outlook. It's longer-term focus. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't get caught up into the, the daily numbers. So it, it's fun. It makes an attractive thumbnail or title on YouTube. But, man, it's just not the way to go. What are some stocks that you like right now besides tattoo, yeah, Chef? Yeah, besides, besides the Chef, Corsair Gaming. I've been talking about that one a lot. CLS Why aren't they going up? So with that one... Um, uh, I mean, it's trading ridiculously cheap. Yeah, I bought that to make a hundred bucks a day. Yeah. Where, where is my hundred dollars a day? I don't see it. Oh man, you might make a hundred k over time, but yeah, no. When it comes to Corsair, uh, there's an Eagle Fund that's selling out private equity company. So that is, uh, uh, I think they're Eagle Fund. There, they're called. So essentially, that that puts a big seller in the market. They they made a lot of money on that investment. They want to put the money somewhere else. So um, it kind of puts an overhang seller in the market. You don't know when they're done selling. You don't know when they're selling. You just know that they're a seller market, right? On top of that, you got fear about world opening back up. Gamers and streamers, I don't know, aren't going to care about gaming and streaming. And to that, I say, have you ever met a gamer or streamer? Like, these people don't care if the world's open and they're gaming and streaming, man. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter to them. Like, come on. And um, and so that's going on. But the the great The great opportunity when it comes to stocks is the fact that usually you get months to buy into a position, sometimes even a year or two, depending upon the stock. 2020 messed up everybody's mentality because stocks went up so fast coming out of the crash, right? And so people think like that's normal. Like, oh, stocks go boom. No, usually you get three, six, sometimes even nine to 12 months to really truly build out a position Mm. in something like a Corsair gaming or a tattoo chef or whatever stock it is before it starts going on a run we call it right and uh that's usually normal but we got in such a a hot market last year that everybody thinks like if the stock didn't make me money this month it sucks it's a bad stock and it's like that's just not the way the stock market works and you're kind of getting into a short-term mentality so you know i look for for opportunity there um, and, and I mean, there's some other stocks that are in values, you know, that we've talked about before, like the planet, um, and some of those, but those are really long term investments. Like those I'm thinking about many years out. Like if I'm thinking about the planet 13 as an investment, I'm thinking about when they have 10 superstores right now they have two, but they're going to get to 10 in my opinion within the next five years. So I'm thinking about, you know, years out and, um, so yeah, those are, those are some of the stocks come to mind when, win stock comes to mind, WBA stock comes to mind, wins is very solid, in my opinion, uh, value stock. Travel coming back. WBA is very solid dividend stock. So uh, right there, I think I gave it some some gross stocks and values and some dividends. So yeah.
2: So how many stocks do you own?
0: Probably about 20, if you added up all the different stocks in all my accounts. Probably about 20. In the public account, I own 13. I only know that because I counted them up today, literally. I own 13 accounts. That account has mil, I think in it. And, um, but if you added up all the stocks in different accounts, about 20 stocks. So, um, you know, when it comes to diversification, I don't like to over diversify, but I don't like to under diversify either. I feel like I'm appropriately, uh, priced for, for what I have, you know, the, the smaller amount of money, in my opinion, the less stocks somebody should have, the more money you have, the more stocks you should have. So, and i'm still in it to win it so i'm not trying to just uh, get in 500 stocks like like s&p yeah. 500
1: what what are some of the other businesses that you have let's talk oh, about the man. app by the way Let, now is the now is the time where we could finally talk about the yes. elusive app the hungry yeah. bowl that you could now download on the app store that we've been working on yes the hungry very, bowl very android
0: google or ios yeah and uh, yeah so that that's exciting so you know we had the idea around starting a newsletter an email newsletter and uh, we were talking about that idea and and basically starting a business-focused newsletter that um, didn't have any biases, didn't come across as anything politically related and really stuck to business-related subjects. Because what I found is a, a lot of business newsletters go way off subject and they start talking about politics, they start talking about more pop culture type things and it's like like, you know... Let's talk about business. You know what I mean? Like if, if it's not in relation to like what's going on in the, in the markets, stock market, real estate market, uh, you know, business in general. Like, you know, if I'm signed up to a business letter, I want business, right? And so that's where it started. And then we were like, well, what if we built out an app team, uh, an in, in-house app team and, and did this the the right way? And so I was like, well, uh, I could fund that and we ended up doing it and then just kept adding on features like now you can track your stocks, So you can add your whole portfolio in there. So if you got 5, 10, 20 stocks, whatever, you can track them all in there. And then I was like, what if we could listen to a conference call directly in the app? So if you, you want to listen to Tattoo Chef's conference call, you type in TTCF or if it's on your thing already saved, you just type, you know, you hit it. Earnings call, boom, it plays for you right there. You can re- re- rewind it 15 seconds, You know, fast forward, and um, instead of having to go to their investor relations page and, and go through all these different things and then try to find it. Sometimes that takes five minutes just to find a day in conference call and, and play it. And you have to enter in all your information. And so then we got to talking about, well, what if we could set up an account? And comment, kind of like you can on YouTube, right? What if you want to make comments to, on the, on the newsletter? So we added that feature in, and then we have a a foreign feature coming down the road, and other features coming down the road. Mm. So it's exciting, man. It, it's very costly to uh, start up a company from scratch like this in the software space and in app development team and things like that. There's no doubt, very costly. It is a big risk. I'm hoping you know people love it, and it's a big it's a big success. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's been, it's been fun, but it is sometimes stressful cause I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm plowing a ton of money into that and we might never make money from it. You never really know. You know what I mean? Like you, you never know how these things will work out when it's something you've never done before. Yeah. But, um, I've learned a lot from it, and uh, I'm really I'm really proud of the initial product, and I know we're just going to continue to make it better and better over the future years. So
1: yeah. So how about this? Um, because I'm a part of it too. Uh, we'll put the link to it down below in the description. Download it and try it out. Let us know what you think, and uh, we should we should probably set something up for like comments or like uh or um, suggestions. So try it out. And then send us your suggestions. So you'll be like, you'll be like our kind of helpers on this.
0: We just uh, launched a really exciting feature. So inside the newsletter part now, so if you click on a newsletter article, now there's a tab at the bottom, big green thing that says feedback. You click God. on that button, you could type in whatever you want. So, uh, yeah. So if you have any feedback, suggestions, uh, positive things, whatever. And if you really love the app, if you don't mind leaving us a review on Google play store or iOS, that would mean so much to us because we've been working on that thing for months. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'm excited. We're just going to make that thing better and better over time. And, uh, yeah, who knows where it is in a few years from now.
3: So I really want to know how much money, uh, you know, Jeremy's bringing in.
0: Just like general, <laughs> <laughs> that, wow! That's how I'm much
1: money you know? I'm what, bringing in. Technically, you've never really revealed how much money you've uh, you, you make. Yeah, and 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 net worth. Yeah, never really revealed that. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah, but
0: uh, okay. Uh, net worth between ten and twenty. I will not going to tell you the are specific we, number now. There's, are we oh, ca- are we, you're counting are we counting like the YouTube, YouTube channel
1: and like the value of the app. Are we adding in?
0: Oh, I'm adding zero for the app because that's okay, worth nothing it, yeah. right yeah. now. Okay. Um, I'm adding in uh, almost nothing for YouTube channels. That would just be other stuff, um, including I have a lot in just stocks, like a, like a really large number just in stocks. Um, I have several properties now. I have three mm-hmm. properties. All of them have. Uh, at least a quarter million in equity for those properties, at least, um, including a couple that have between 300 and 400. Um, I have a, you know, I have multiple positions alone in the stock market that are seven figures. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and then, uh, you know, there's gotta be something to like business and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I would say I make millions and my, my net worth is between 10 and 20. That's, and how, yeah, how,
1: how, how much you have invested in the stock market? Just just in stocks? Can we?
0: Uh, I can't disclose that either. But it's a it's a really large number. So let, <laughs> so let, let's see this. There's, there's it's bigger there's, than you could. Count. There's yeah. one point six mil in the public in the public account. Yes, the private account is is substantially bigger than that because that is the account yeah. I've had literally since yeah, you know the beginning of yeah. time. <laughs>
1: Are you so, the only one who
0: gets to see the private account? Or? Yes, not a soul, including my own wife. No, no she doesn't know. My wife does not know what I have in the private. Can account. Can I see it? Can I see no, it? Just no, just get my reaction no. to it. Why? Why <laughs> no not? No one will ever see it. No, it's it's the one. It's one of the very few things that I have as, as like a private. Matter. Does
2: your Does your wife want to know?
0: No, she doesn't care. She's really uh, my wife's probably one of the least money. Interested individuals, I know, and then maybe that's why our relationship works pretty good. But, uh, but yeah, she, she, no, I what if
2: your s- son comes up to you, daddy, daddy, nope. how much, please, why, nope. why is it so secret?
0: Why it's fun, it's fun, it's fun. it has you guys intrigued, it Look drives at you guys. us crazy. Yeah. I want to know, no, I I wanna wanna know you're, so you're, what I'm le, thinking. Le, let me, okay. Okay. Yeah. Let, let me ask you guys, wait,
3: just to clear the confusion, is there a private account for your members only? And is there a private, the public
0: private account? Yeah, so the public account is for the private stock group. So that's why I call it the public account. So the private stock group's gotten to see every single trade executed in the history of that account, Alex. The private account is literally completely private. Completely private. What brokerage? I, like Sometimes I'll disclose a position. Why? I just like it. What it's brokerage is it? Uh... Well,
1: it's got to be fidelity because
0: because you all of be. your accounts are fidelity. It might be. Now, no, fidelity yeah. now somebody at fidelity is going to go in there and, and hack in and be like, I got I got to see this <laughs> account. L- let me ask you guys, how much in stocks do you think I have in the private account? What would be your guess? Uh, the three of you. What my would be ga- your guess. My guess would probably be six to eight. Six to eight. Okay. Five. Five. Alex
3: Gra- Graham's cheating because he can't give a range. Um, but I'm going so seven. Then I'll say the seven. I'll yeah. 7 I'm going to actually go a little bit higher than Graham And say 7.8 7.8
0: Wow oh, How
1: about you say who's the closest from all the of closest? us <laughs> Who's the closest mm-hmm. Who's the closest Oh yeah we could we could say who's the closest Because
0: that doesn't reveal it It'd be Graham Graham would be the closest <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it's a pretty large number, but I'm broke now cuz I'm funding two startups simultaneously. One I can't talk about and obviously the Hungry Bull. So Can you I, say I've what your broke. overhead is? Like your oh monthly my overhead? Gosh. My monthly oh, overhead's disgusting. Disgusting. You hire everything, Jeremy. Yeah, you, yeah. you you literally How many do you have, employees do you have? Yeah. hired. You yeah. have like
2: 80 employees, don't
0: you? It's it's a it's a large number of of workers, let's just call it that. So, um <laughs> it's six figures every two weeks. Yeah, six figures every two weeks. It's it's, it's quite a substantial number.
2: So can, then, can you answer the other part of Alex's question? How much are you making?
0: Uh, making, I actually don't know that number. It's it's millions of dollars a year. Um, last year, last year, let's see. Uh, so last year, I paid in almost a million dollars in taxes. So you could run numbers backwards on that on what I'm actually making. Like five mil. Or
1: yeah, probably. no. It depends Maybe. on what the expenses are. If we're that's talking true. net. If we're talking net. Then you'd be paying forty percent in tax plus a few other like little tiny yeah, I things. I think
0: between different businesses, stock sales, everything that you could possibly count up, probably four to five top line. So um, yeah, but
1: pre expenses or gross?
0: No, that that's just revenue. That's revenue. just top line. Revenue. That's just got revenue. It, got it, got it. Yeah. Okay. something around there. So, but um, but yeah, I, I, you know. At the end of the day, what I found is people, people matter. People's what's really going to grow you. And if you have really good people, they're going to figure out ways to, to help you grow bigger and bigger when it comes to businesses. And, um, and, you know, it's about hiring the right people and, you know, folks that are going to do a great job, A players. But what I found is usually if you hire somebody and they're, they're truly great, they're going to bring 3X, 4X more to the table than they take. So if you hire somebody to pay them, I don't know, let's say 100K a year, they're truly great. They're going to bring you 300 to 400 of true value to whatever you're trying to do. And So that's the way I look at it. And whenever we think about business expenses, business costs, the last thing I think about is people. I'll think about every service and oh, we use in this software, do we really need this? Every other expense before I think about people and cutting salaries. And I learned that at QuickTrip. Mm-hmm. Quick Trip paid probably double or triple what all other gas stations paid for this this same workers. But people at Quick Trip, you know, they're just, there's a different bunch. You're getting a different, you know, uh, caliber of, of people. And they are going to bring you way more business than than they take because they have great customer service skills and those sorts of things, right? So that's the way I think about it. And uh, I appreciate everybody that's supported along the way because if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be here. And I appreciate for the stock market because it certainly wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the stock market, yeah. man. That's for dang sure. So, um, But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a big number, man, in terms of the expenses.
1: You should review Jack's Robin Hood account.
3: Ooh, we should hear what
1: this is as a fun. iced coffee hour uh, channel clips. <laughs> I butchered that. Iced coffee hour clips channel exclusive. So it's only going to be available on the link down below in the description. We're trying to boost up the clips channel a little bit. So this is only going to be available there.
2: Whoa, that's not really. I just love that you're a neighbor now because I'll like leave the house and I'll be <laughs> I'll see you like walking up the street with yeah. your shirt off. Like, like, oh, like, wow, howdy yeah. neighbor!
1: Hello, neighbor. <laughs> oh, how's it going today? Yeah, we
3: oh, you know Jack between this podcast and Fadia's podcast, it just sounds like you like to.
2: See guys with their shirt off.
3: Oh, that's that's not. No, I'm
2: just saying you had your shirt off that one time.
0: <laughs> you remember vividly, don't you? Yeah, I that? just thought Odd it was thought the it was one f- time without the shirt on. <laughs>
2: no, I just thought it was funny that he was walking on the street with his shirt What's off. What's funny about it? That he's walking. <laughs>
0: That it's a million dollar neighborhood and some guy's walking, walking with the shirt up off. the
2: street with his shirt off. Yeah, that's some... That's you some you, you had your... Wait, agree. did you have You had it off, right? Anyways, <laughs> I like the fact that you are a neighbor. Yeah. And uh, it's it's great, like, going out and just seeing you. <laughs> it, it is. It's, fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: great when you take your shirt off. That's so what I look like forward then. to every day.
1: <laughs> All right, so Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on. for Fourth time. All the way over. Yeah.
0: Thank you. It was a far walk through the desert sands. so of las vegas and i appreciate it guys this was fun as always so
1: really appreciate it with that said guys thank you so much for watching i really appreciate it make sure to hit the like button subscribe button get the get the hungry bull app down below in the description where you can also get your free stock we'll link to your information down below as well thank you again for watching and
0: until Until next time Well,